Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor, flying solo today. Gotta let everybody know that Jimmy and I are gonna be on the road October 6th through 9th, CXE, uh, Cartoon Crossroads Columbus in Columbus, Ohio. We're gonna be there uh, talking, chatting, shaking hands, and selling comics. Baltimore Comic Con, October 28th through 30th. That is the birthplace of Cartoonist Kayfabe, where Jimmy and I hatched the idea to embark upon uh, creating this YouTube channel. And we will be there uh, all three days of the festival to uh, meet and greet you guys. Jack Jacksonville Public Library is gonna be the house of uh, the Zine Festival in October 22nd. Jimmy's gonna be there doing his thing. Here are your Kayfabe-tober drawing prompts for 2022. Take a screen grab of that. We're going to pin these image, pin the prompts to the top of our Instagram and Twitters and uh, hashtag us on Instagram, at us on Twitter. Whenever you draw from these prompts, uh, we'll be able to see them all and share as many as possible. The videos are brought to you by the comic books that we make. So Jimmy has uh, on the stands right now, Hulk, Grand Design, Monster and Madness, Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive, Trade Paperback, is back in stores. Red Room Trigger Warnings, uh, Trade Paperback is in stores right now along with the Anti-Social Network. Each of these books completely self-contained. With that out of the way, been a while since we talked Preacher Comics and uh, I want to jump into Preacher number two. Where we last let off with uh, Preacher issue number one coming upon Jesse Custer is this ominous figure here great cover by Glenn Fabry still solidifying the the look of uh, Saint of Killers you you notice his kind of anemic gray skin in the body of the comic when you see something like this makes me wonder if Glenn Fabry had to grind on those covers before he saw the color come back from that first issue with issue two uh, one of the things that struck me is that a lot of the mythos of Preacher kind of gets established here. Uh, Arseface makes his first cameo appearance and we, we discover his origin. Uh, Cassidy is a vampire and Jesse Custer has an imaginary friend, but that's the cart before the horse. Let's handle this sucker one page at a time. Uh, probably every issue that we look at, I'm going to say some of the same things. And one of those things is that to me, this is one of the great collaborations in comic books, uh, certainly the first half of the series, when Matt Hollingsworth is on the color, Clem Robbins on lettering, and Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon doing their thing with the art and writing duties. Uh, everybody is carrying their weight in a significant way. Clem Robbins, not, not many sound effects, uh, zero sound effects, I believe, but totally unobtrusive and very clearly lettered doesn't get in the way at all, and the lettering borders. I, I believe at this stage in the game, the letterer was responsible for uh, panel borders, and that is a very unique approach. No other uh, Vertigo comics would have that. And Matt Hollingsworth color on uh, this first batch of, of Preacher comics really set the tone and complements the artwork in such a great way. Uh, what Steve Dillon is bringing to the table, you know, he did not miss a deadline uh, he drew every issue of Preacher, and he had built himself an economic vocabulary to accomplish that task of putting 22 pages, 25 pages out a month, uh, left a lot of open air 
for the colorist to to add depth and warmth and emotion to the comics and Hollingsworth really really showed up uh, significantly my it's really the first time that I that I made note of of his name as colorist where we let let off Santa Killers was approaching a batch of cops and now this is the classic Hill Street Blues debrief after there's a gunfight when they have to kind of get everybody's story straight within within law enforcement and the one guy who's left is good old Sheriff Root who is like I think of him as Lyndon B. Johnson in a way uh unrefined you know like there's a lot of recordings of LBJ burping on the phone and things like that this guy's this guy's a uh, good old boy to say the least, man. Spitting in front of a, uh, you know, we have no idea where this chaw is being spit at. He shows a clear disdain for the FBI, you know, for the greater authority. And he is recalling what he saw when Santa Killers uh, approached. The So the splash page takes place directly after the events of issue one, seconds after we see the carnage beginning. Steve Dillon always excels at this kind of thing. Look at that uh, Matt Hollingsworth color, by the way. Completely understanding the planes and the lighting that Steve Dillon is providing and complementing the artwork in such a great way. Uh, impact shot, shoulder, blood in Sheriff Root's eyes. He's going down. At this point, Jesse Custer instructed everybody using that word of God, drop your fucking weapons. And they did but he wasn't expecting the cavalry to show up in this way. Eventually the fellas, or, or perhaps some new arrivals, able to um, brandish their firearms, and it is doing nothing to our saint of killers here. Another sheriff root, kind of on the ground, crawling away. More of that pornography. This is the kind of shit that I just never saw it in a mainstream comic book. I couldn't believe that it was in a DC comic. Um, I didn't start scooping these preacher comics up on the regular till about issue 18, the, the, the one and done story about Jesse Custer's father. So I have the first two pieces in trade. We did uh, the second trade. Here's another great example of that Hollingsworth color. The sky's completely left open to the colorist to uh, help convey time of day. And it's nearly black and white with just red hues everywhere. You know, it's almost like a black and white film. Just total, subdued, subtle color. You cannot shake the storytelling either of, of Steve Dillon. Uh, I believe Garth Ennis worked full script and explained a lot of what he wanted in these panels. But Steve Dillon really composes this stuff so well. You see Sheriff Root kind of taking cover while his cavalry is toast. You even have a deputy trying to calm down somebody who is worse for the wear. A pawn saint of killers reaching him, gives him a fuck you sheriff Root before catching a blast to the head. Root comes out of his hole while these dudes start blasting from a helicopter and then Boom, change point of view. New page, new point of view. Camera set behind our three uh, protagonists. And you get to see the results. So it's a one second difference 
in time, but the camera view completely changes. I, th I think thought that this transition was really sharp. Out from that fire comes the Santa Killers. Jesse Custer knows they better split. I used to and still kind of draw eyes like that a lot. Unconsciously or subconsciously, Steve Dillon factors in, but uh, I definitely stole it from Jaime Hernandez early, early run in Love Rockets. Sheriff Root continuing his recall, got the FBI guy there talking some shit about, you know, you accounted for all these shots. It's 13 shots and two revolvers that, you know, have six shots apiece. So where did that extra bullet come from? You Texans like your magic bullets. Sheriff Root gives him a good hearty fuck you and slams the door, bounces, disdain for the FBI. Now we have the FBI agent and uh, the commissioner, you know, the the head of this law enforcement department down there in Texas and gives that gives us that chance to talk about Sheriff, Sheriff Root's son. Uh, we get the full origin here. I mean, the material that's on these two pages here becomes the arse face one shot that will come out sometime later. I think it might be the first special uh, that would come out from uh, from the Preacher comics. Uh, I think 66 issues of the regular series, but I think 75 issues total if you count all the specials and everything. And instead of like a tr traditional monthly comic that would have an annual, uh, there would sometimes be a mini series that would be associated with Preacher that would come out one year and then various one shots, some of them drawn by Steve Dillon. So where that guy found the time, I have no idea. But Garth Ennis is very good at conversation, and there are full issues of Preacher that are just simply talking heads. Uh, Steve Dillon does what he can within those moments to provide some acting, to pro provide some variance on the uh, situation, but those issues do ring as uh, catch-up material, uh, a space for Steve Dillon to... to um, get ahead of deadlines in a way. Uh, it never really bothered me, though, because Garth Ennis has a gift for dialogue, and the stories are very pleasurable to read. So we get our whole origin of uh, Sheriff Root's son here, Kurt Cobain fan, shot heroin because he liked Kurt Cobain. Once uh, Kurt Cobain committed suicide, and the way he committed suicide... This kid was also inspired. And it turns out that that kid also lived. Here is a photograph of said kid. Don't give it to you right away. You get a reaction <laughs> the very next page. Here's the contents of that photograph. Uh, and we get our first glimpse at the heart and soul of Preacher Comics. Perhaps the only the only uh, good character, the, the, the only positive, sweet, innocent character in Preacher comics, as, as I recall. And he's the most sympathetic. You know, he's got this dickhead dad. Uh, there was, there was uh, stuff in the origin where dad would put out cigarettes on the boy and beat the fuck out of him. Um, there's earlier parts where the kid was talking that fuck you shit to his own dad and stuff, which would make him like, you know, typical teenage asshole or whatever. Uh, but none of that exists in the preacher comic proper 
that's all backstory stuff. Uh, and there is a true innocence to uh, the Arseface character. Not called Arseface yet. That'll probably come next issue or the issue thereafter. But uh, certainly worth noting that this is absolutely based on a real-life person, believe it or not, uh, in the tape trading community in the 1990s, man, when people were trading uh, audio tapes like Red's Tube Bar tapes or Shut Up Little Man. There's also videotape trading, and it would be things like, uh, believe it or not, you couldn't get a racer head. Legit um, videotapes like the Heaven's Gate cult uh, initiation tapes. Uh, weird tapes would... Uh, be passed from friend to friend that would be like a DICON, which was a otaku convention where the guys from Gainax were were doing animated versions of X-Men and Xenomorphs and all kinds of uh, copywritten materials that they had no permission to be animating. And uh, the video with this kid who basically was one of the Satanic Panic Judas Priest listeners uh, tried to kill himself saying that saying that fucked up records played backwards or some shit had subliminal messaging. Shot himself in the head and lift and looked just like this bastard. Even even had uh, the dent in the head, big ass crazy nose. Not a good look. There is a reason why the arse face on the preacher TV show did not look like this guy right here, man. And I wonder how the indicias read about likenesses being purely coincidental because in regards to this fellow right here, that's bollocks. The boy speaks in uh, captions and at a certain point, you know, this is new to see, but eventually you read enough preacher comics, you don't even need to read the caption. You could read this stuff and totally understand what he's saying, which I thought was... Uh, very noteworthy and exceptional on, on Garth Ennis's part. Got our back and forth with uh, Jesse Custer and Tulip. Uh, we discovered that he, Jesse stood her up. And there's no answer for that. The answer for that is explained in another video that we made uh, that covered about issue 8 through 16. As the sun goes down, Cassidy wakes up. Uh, unfortunately, because I came to this so late, you know, it was about a year and a half in and it got excessive wizard coverage. Uh, we knew, I already knew what was going on as a Cassidy's a vampire, but reading this without spoilers, uh, it had to be pretty freaking mind blowing. And Cassidy's the kind of a vampire that is like the near dark Catherine Bigelow uh, type of vampire that has some coolness to him, some hipness. You know, he's been around the block, but still kind of a cool cat. Not quite Bill Paxton. The word of God was used once. Since we're establishing this new series, one of the greatest superpowers of our main guy is that word of God. Good color treatment to let you know that it's going down. Turn those pupils red. He can get people to do stuff. So you got to establish that a couple of times, man, because this is a new thing. And it's a very powerful thing. Uh, how how can you defeat that? Especially, you establish it a couple of times and get it to work on everybody so that when we get to a place where it's completely necessary and it's rendered impotent, that creates some new questions. 
new places to go. While Tulip and Cassidy go buy Jesse some clothes because he cannot show up in a Nordstrom's wearing this kind of outfit, we establish that Jesse has a kind of invisible friend in the guise of the Duke himself, John Wayne. Every time Steve Dillon draws this silhouette of John Wayne, it absolutely looks like him. I'm wondering if he traced whole photos, but you, you just don't mistake it. The body type, the profile, unmistakable. There are times, too, where I, later on Bill Hicks shows up in, in the comic. Uh, they go visit Bill Hicks or there's some kind of total recall from a past moment. Bill Hicks is there and I feel like his silhouette looks like him. Just another strength of, of Steve Dillon. Look at these skies, man. When Garth Ennis is cutting up his issues into different scenes, it feels very clear that you know, he wants to allow a couple pages for this to be revealed, a couple pages for that to be revealed. So uh, right here, we got a two-page spread with some back and forth, establishing the relationship, the contentious relationship between Cassidy and Tulip that will bear fruit, you know, years later into the series. Uh, but mentioning the gun in the handbag stuff lets you know that that's something that Cassidy knows about Tulip that that Jesse Custer does not. So that provides more dramatic possibility for future issues. And then you get a one-page strip. And this is like a full comic strip with a punchline and everything at the end. One of these angel characters, he's getting drunk. Why? Why? You know, is it because of the saint of killers uh, being set loose, killing one of our friends? No, it's the fact that the Grail, it's the first time that you see the Grail mentioned. They're going to hear about this and come looking. And then the, the, the judgy angel fella who was asking our guy why he's getting drunk, he needs a drink too. So that establishes that this Grail is uh, an ominous presence that is going to have to be dealt with in the future. So Ennis just laying out Laying out seeds, man, for future issues. This guy has a series of comics, and he sold that series of comics. So you need to have story fodder for the future. Tulip grabs Jesse Custer, fresh outfits, and he's looking snazzy to the little barmaid. After making some comments to the barmaid about the bar being a den of sin, the good old boys who drank there, not too happy. Get a little bar fight session. This sequence right here with the fish hook. This was back in the day, man. I remember UFC 2. My cousin got got uh, that pay-per-view where the rules were don't punch, don't punch in the dick too much and don't fish hook or eye gouge. I actually think the dick thing didn't matter. You could punch the junk. No eye gouge, no fish hooking. And I was like, what was fish hooking? Steve Dillon showing us what the fish hook is. The movement of that fight move is really sold by the little blood spatter right there. You know, you get the impression that it's like fingers stuck, not moving, not moving, but energy being built up and then whap. Hardcore. Good storytelling here. Bad dude wields a knife coming towards Cassidy, plunges it in the eyeball. Moment of recognition. Homeboy's like, why did you not go down? Cassidy standing there like, you motherfucker. Tulip's reaction. Jesse Custer's reaction. 
And what is it they're reacting to? Cassidy, he ain't like the rest of us, man. There it is. Great splash page to end on for an issue and to tease the next issue. Here's the cover for issue three. I think we have a very clear indication of what this guy is about, man. And that's a good enough place to leave it uh, for now. So every now and then I'm going to do some solo videos going through different series that uh, inspired me to uh, pursue cartooning as a career and uh, the important comic series that kind of gave me my first lessons in storytelling. Uh, Preacher is certainly one of them. It was a pleasure to go through issue two with you guys here. And once again, please support our books. Uh, this is the stuff that we have on the shelves right now. Red Room Trigger Warnings, along with the Anti-Social Network trade paperback, uh, inspired by the work of Garth Ennis in a big bad way. Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive. The reprint is now in stores now. Your shop can order that. And on the racks is Hulk Grand Design Monster and Madness. It's going to get that Treasury Edition at the early part of uh, 2023. So make sure you pre-order that material. Uh, hit up our spread shop. You could support our channel that way by getting some uh, cartoonist kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise. That helps us out to uh, kind of keep the lights on in the, in the studio. Most importantly, read more comics.